Now, for those of you who follow my personal social media pages, you know that I mentioned a while back that I had a big announcement that I was going to be making. Well, yesterday I officially went public with it, and I am happy to announce here on the Boochcast that Booch Fest is returning. And it is coming to the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The show will be taking place on November 3rd at 8 p.m. And that will be the first of many shows that will be taking place on a bi-weekly basis, which means starting November 3rd, every other Thursday, there will be a comedy showcase at the Anchor Bar. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And on December 10th, Combat Pro Wrestling presents Seasons Beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are the Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good, Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young, Devin Cruz, from AEW, Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf, Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0, Dave Wills, it's still real to me, damn it, the All-American Blue Chipper, Chase Emery, Buckshot Brian Brock, NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night Smackdown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolic, Tyson Maddox. The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage. And many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina, as we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School Weightlifting Department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking games. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I press, I push, I build, I beg, hope it's some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will. 
tongue dry I've tried to go fuck shopping But there's no fucks left to buy I've got no fucks to give The more fucks I've tried to get I'm over my fuck budget And I'm now in fucking debt What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Booch Cast, he's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to The Booch Cast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Dude, that's, yes, it's me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Genius speaking, I'm not that broke. Vinny, um, usually I say this, um, Oh, here we go. Oh, here we don't go. Ladies and gentlemen, last time we <laughs> talked wrestling, uh, we talked about how boring NXT was. And it was definitely boring. It but, was. But as boring as NXT was, this was way fucking worse. It was fucking horrible. God help me. If I didn't have other... <laughs> if I didn't have other shit that I had to do while watching this, <laughs> I would have been bored out of my fucking skull. This this was torture. Like, they should, they should take this episode of Dynamite and send it to Guam. 
Guantanamo Bay and play it on repeat. Okay. By the time we, by the, by the time we got to the Ring of Honor Open Challenge, I admitted to killing Natalie Holloway. <laughs> That's how fucking bad this was. And I had never, and I, and I never even met the bitch. So anyway, this was fucking horrible. And we're gonna get into just how horrible this fucking show was. Oh my god, this is a disgrace to wrestling. And we're gonna kick things off with our first official match of the evening. God help us all. Emo oh Knievel, Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. Okay, uh, as soon as I, uh, uh, YouTube TV was acting weird, I'll talk about that another day. And I saw this as soon as I saw that pinkush motherfucker come, I was like, oh, great, a shitty opening match. Oh, boy. Whatever should we do with this? So, I watched it. I was watching my pillow. I was rolling my eyes. I was huffing. I was motherfucking puffing. And it, it like, a lot of the time, as you know, he also came down with hurt ribs. Vinny, can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you ever have, like, hurt ribs, broke ribs? Um, I don't think I've had broke ribs, but I think I've had, I've had pain in my ribs at least once or twice. You know my accident, right? Remember? Yes. You've, you brought it up multiple times over the years. In that injuries, I had seven broken ribs. Seven? It's seven. So, that's another story for another day. But yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah, I was like, why are you going out with hurt ribs? You can't do shit with hurt ribs. You can't laugh. You can't sneeze. You can't cough. You know what else you can't do? What? Also painful to do? Taking a shit. I shit you not. That's the term. <laughs> <laughs> I but see back, what you did there. I reminded my energies. This right here was your typical spot monkey, evil Knievel fucking bullshit. Jay Lethal was basically running the whole fucking show. He was in office. Darby was in office. Darby was on defense. Blah, blah. Smacky smack. Woo-hoo. Then we had this fake sting looking motherfucker comes out there. I forgot who he was. He takes off his was. I don't know who the fuck that was. And also the lethal ejection. One, two, three. All of a sudden, Darby Alley was standing there going on. All of a sudden, we see Jeff Jeremy come on, hit him with the team freaking guitar. Okay, Vinny. Apparently, you have something to say. You have something to say, sir? Yeah. I, I, I got I got plenty. Um, oh, you got plenty? Go ahead. Well, first of all, I missed the first four minutes of this match, which means I didn't miss you anything. Didn't miss shit. And the reason I say that is because I'm gonna give a little I'm gonna give a little plug here. I was doing a taping um, with my with an with an old friend of mine, dear old friend of mine, uh, Mr. Tim Andrews. Uh, some of you might remember from the Regular Guys show. Um, he has a podcast called Radio Labyrinth, and I uh, made an appearance on. On the show, he was uh, interviewing me to talk about. Um, we talked about Booch in the Car, which you can see on YouTube, uh, the docu series that we did that I did a while back. Uh, we also talked about Booch Fest. I got to promote it, which if you guys heard at the beginning of this um, at this uh, show, um, it took place on November third. Now, at the time that you're listening to this, uh, that first show has already passed, and uh, the Radio Labyrinth episode will drop on November fifth. So when I get that, I'll be sure to send the link out to everybody. Um, but the next, but we. We're plugging it mostly for the next show, which is November 17th. That will be the next uh, Boots Fest show, if you heard in the promo that was played earlier on this episode. You, you guys have obviously, if you've heard the promo, you already know that. But we were doing that kind of, we were, I was on his show. We were having a blast. Uh, I was also telling a few uh, wrestling stories and a few other things. Just having a great time uh, talking it up with Tim Andrews. And um, it was great to have, to be back on his show. I wasn't on there for very long. I only, I only was on there for about a good 15 minutes. As I know in the past, I've done longer uh, episodes with him. But I guess he had other people he was talking to. So by the time I got done with the interview with uh, Tim Andrews, I I turned on AEW and this match was on. And I was already like, okay, I didn't miss anything important. And basically, 
It's the typical Darby Allen match that Darby Allen always has. It's reckless, it's stupid, it goes fucking nowhere. I, it's, for a lot of these guys in AEW, it's hard for me to watch their matches because I know what to expect and it's never good. And with Darby oh, Allen, Darby Allen's had one good match in his whole AEW career and it was with CM Punk. People don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. Every match he's had before Punk and every match he's had after Punk has been shit. Darby Allen is, like I said, this is a guy who's going to get himself killed and he's probably going to end up being uh, the modern day version of the Dynamite Kid. Only I won't hate Darby Allen as much as I hate the Dynamite Kid. But the whole thing was just blah. Then all of a sudden they had a fake sting come out. And then they the guy takes his mask off and it ends up being Cole Carter. Who I have no idea who this guy is. Nor do I give a fuck. Like I have no idea who the fuck this kid is. There's nothing special about him. Unique about him or familiar about him. I'm literally looking at this kid like who the fuck is he and why should I care? And they did nothing to show me why should I care. Like I don't remember this guy. He's not the least bit memorable. This was fucking stupid. Like usually when someone takes off a mask and they reveal themselves, you're supposed to go holy shit. When someone takes off a mask and you have no idea who the fuck they are it's not a great reveal. See shit like this should be reserved for people that are, it's gonna be shocking when the mask comes off. It's like in it's like in the screen movies when the when when you get to the end of the movie and the killer is revealed it's always a moment that makes you go holy fuck i did not expect this person to be the killer that's what a mask reveal is supposed to do in wrestling and horror movies and anything when the mask comes off you're supposed to be shocked by who is underneath the mask if it doesn't shock you if it doesn't surprise you if it doesn't make you go what the fuck then it's flat and it's dead the only thing, the only thing that salvaged this segment was Jeff Jarrett. That was it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I wasn't expecting to see him. They played Sting's music. I'm thinking, oh, Sting's gonna come out. Uh, this is one of the rare moments where I got fooled. I was swerved. I look over and it's like, I see the guitar. I see the hat. I'm like, holy shit, that's Jeff Jarrett. And then he gets in the ring and cuts a promo about generations of, you know, of his family, which is the truth because uh, the Jarrett's pretty much controlled Memphis wrestling for many years for years and years um, of course, Jeff, uh, Jerry Jarrett, who's one of the all-time biggest promoters. Christine Jarrett, who was very much a badass. Like, Jeff Jarrett's family is cemented in wrestling. It's one of those royal families of wrestling. And how he was, there's going to be body bags when he's done with AEW. And talking about the AEW fans being delusional, because God knows they fucking are. And just, and of course, he tells them, choke on that, slap nuts. Loved it. I loved, loved it too. I was like, I saw that. I was like, oh my God, it's Jeff Jarrett. Poor Darby. Not really. Yeah. Okay. And see what happened with good old Jeff. Yep. And Jeff Jarrett just swinging the guitar and doing what he does. Like it was a great, it was a great moment. Jeff Jarrett was one of the highlights of this show. And he basically has a backstage role in AEW as well. That's similar to the role that he had when he was a producer in WWE. So pretty much the same job he had in WWE. He now has here in AEW and Jeff Jarrett can still go in the ring and 
I believe he would be a valued asset to this company if he's used properly. But if we've learned anything with AEW, it's they don't know how to use their legends properly. They basically have, they don't. They have them sit there as fucking like novelty acts or like wax statues for you to oogle at. Fucking God, people suck at booking. Um, then we cut to the backstage area where we see John Moxley talking about his match with Lee Moriarty, noting that Moriarty was briefly on the Blackpool Combat Club's radar, but he wasn't violent or mean enough. He told Moriarty he'd have to go to a violent place for their match tonight. Typical John Moxley. All right, you want a piece of me? Bring it on, motherfucker. You had to get through me to get this uh, to get to this title. Okay, uh, okay. Good for you, John Moxley. You stood up to the guy with great hair and Lee Moriarty. I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't care who you are. I think you suck and everything else. Oh, I got something to say when he comes out. Well, here's the thing. As I said before, he was on the radar because Daniel Bryan, when he was trying to convince him and Moxley to join forces, one of the names they brought up about mentoring or taking under the ring was Lee Moriarty, um, Daniel Garcia, and Wheeler Useless. Now, Mm. Lee Moriarty obviously ended up not joining. Daniel Garcia joined the Jericho Appreciation Society and looked like he was going to join the Blackpool Combat Club but he didn't and of course Wheeler Useless he got put in the group and as I'm, and, and as the name as the nickname says he's been fucking useless so uh, the promo to me is not very exciting because the match isn't very exciting they're just at this point they're just giving shit for Moxley to do until we get to full gear which is on the 19th for him and MJF that's that's all this is it's Moxley just killing time and that's why they've written, they've taken MJF off TV uh, you know they're probably they'll obviously bring him back before full gear for at least the go home but they wanted to use the table thing to write him off for a while and then just have Moxley do Moxley bullshit and then we cut to a vignette centered around uh, the three most cancerous cells in all of wrestling the elite and it shows them being being erased and it highlighted their ill-fated title when it all out when they became the fucking trios champions with the belts they were gonna jack off with until they were stripped of the titles and it went to Death Triangle and they're basically showing they got erased and them being replaced with Death Triangle and obviously there's speculation because of this that the Elite is on their way back and here's the thing and Zach and I have been debating about this and I'll probably put out a Twitter poll if I have to but here, here's the issue folks as you if I haven't made this clear yet I'm pretty sure I have but just in case there's anybody new to the show or anybody who really needs to hear this I, I will say it one more time I hate the elite with everything I got they are the three most cancerous cells in all of professional wrestling they are a disgrace to the business they have treated it like a joke They are backstage politicians. They are fucking hypocrites. And they are the big, just douchey. There's nothing likable about any of these people. Nothing. I hate talking about them. I hate seeing them on the TV screen. I hate seeing them in pay-per-views. And most of all, and I mean most of all, I hate seeing them with belts around their waist. The six-man belt, I'm kind of okay, is the only belt I'm okay with because at least they'll be in a corner and away from the other belts. But they have literally been walking talking contradictions in this business. True. First of all, they do the whole bragging thing. We started this company. No, you fucking didn't. Okay? Here's the thing. The only reason you three stooges got in any of this kind of power is because of Cody Rhodes. Because Cody leaving the WWE and making a name for himself on the indies is what got all the buzz and attention. Because Cody has something that those three stooges don't. And that is a mind for the business. 
because he was raised by one of the greatest minds in the wrestling business, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. So Cody has a business mind. He understands business. And he had a vision for AEW, and they and that's how he was able to convince Tony Khan to back this company. Because they're the reason this company exists. Because the Bucks and Kenny are too fucking stupid to come up with something like this on their own. Because if they could, they would have already done it. But they didn't. Because they can't. They act like they're three of the best in the world, and they're not even in the conversation. They are so out of the conversation that if somebody were to bring them into the conversation, you would be asked politely yet firmly to leave the conversation. And we would laugh at you behind your back because you're a fucking idiot if you think they're the best at anything. And yes, I am calling you a fucking idiot if you are a fan of Kenny and the Bucks. They talk about wanting this to be a sports-based product. This has been anything but a sports-based product. You have a ranking system that has been rendered obsolete. You mock WWE for their stupid comedy bullshit, yet the Elite is one of three groups that produce nothing but stupid comedy bullshit. And if you need a refresher course, those three groups are the Elite, the Best Friends, and the Dark Order. All they produce is comedy, silly bullshit that is fake, phony, and embarrasses the business. That's why I hate everyone involved in those groups. You also give people like Triple H shit for being executives or... You know, being married to the boss's daughter and having title runs. Or even in TNA when Jeff Jarrett ran the company and he was a champion multiple times. Or even certain other people. I even say, like, even sometimes when Dusty ran a promotion, Dusty booked Dusty. When Ric Flair was on the booking committee, he booked himself to be world champion. Other other wrestlers in the business have done the same thing. And yet, what happens when y'all become EVPs? You do the same shit. The same shit. There is nothing about these people that is original and genuine. And quite frankly, I'm sick of talking about them. Because I'm just going to find myself repeating shit over and over and over again. Because I don't even want to watch their fucking matches. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The only reason I even talk about this company anymore is because you guys want to hear it. Like I said, I give the people what they want. So I subject myself to this filth for you. I do this for you, the listeners, the loyal Boochcast fans. Never let it be said, I don't do things for the fans. That's why I said, the day you guys stop listening to these AEW recaps is the day I stop doing them and giving myself a mental break. In fact, I've even said I'll do a compromise. I'll keep talking about it, but I want to skip anything involving the elite because I just don't want to talk about them. But apparently, according to the broke soulless ginger, he thinks I should talk about these guys more. He thinks you guys enjoy when I shit on the elite. So I should watch their matches. I should remind you how much they suck. In fact, the only reason I'm even talking about this segment right now is because Zach and I had that discussion. So let me be clear right now. I may put out a Twitter poll and get people to vote and see if this is something I should continue to talk about, but just know this. You're not gonna get an objective answer from me regarding any of their matches. When they show up on the TV, all I'm going to do is talk about how much they suck. So if that's what you want to hear, I'll do it. But if you're going to be sitting here going, God, Vinny, you say the same things about them, then I'll stop. But there's never going to be a time where I say, wow, they had a great match. That's never going to happen. You know why? Because they never do. And because I hate them so much. And I've had, there's a lot of people in this business that I don't like. But most of my reasons with them are personal. And also, as shitty as those 
those people are, they don't disrespect the business the way they do at all. Now, Zach, if you have anything to say regarding this elite segment, say it now or forever hold your peace. I'll be happy. I didn't see this part because I guess from the Western, I was using it. They didn't see this, but I didn't see this right there. You pretty much said everything that I needed to say. But like I said, you like to hear us bits about these cocksuckers. Just keep that in mind. Moving on. All right. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening. And it's, of course, in a non-title match. They call it a world title eliminator. I don't know. What what the fuck does that even mean? Just say non-title match. What the fuck does this eliminator shit mean? But anyway, John Moxley goes one-on-one with Lee Moriarty with Stokely Hathaway. That's the truth. Lee Moriarty impressed me. But I'm sick and tired of hearing the cop that he's one of the best techno wrestlers in the whole world of professional wrestling. This is the first time I ever see you in the fuckers. I'll be the judge of that. And he is okay. He's no Daniel. But this was it was all right. It was typical kind of a boring match. Lee Morty got Lee got moves in. John got moves in. Lost submissions. Stayed up the top rope for once and all that happy horse shit and everything else. Uh it was okay. Do you call this a match? No. I mean it was a match. It was a match. It just wasn't interesting. It wasn't interesting at all. I had no interest in this. I was like, okay, can we get this ten minutes boring? Well that's the thing. Well well, that's the thing you have to understand. Just because a match is boring doesn't mean it's not a match. See, the whole purpose of whether or not something is considered a match, it depends on the length of the match or what happens in the match. Like, if it's a one-sided dominant fight, that's not really a match. Or if it ends in, like, 30 seconds to a minute or something, that's not really a match either. This was definitely a wrestling match. There was wrestling and working involved. There wasn't any, you know, there's, there wasn't too much spot monkey shit except for Moriarty and his springboard crap. But the thing is, the match wasn't interesting because there was nothing at stake and you knew who was going to win. You knew. And Moxie did what he always does. Locks in a choke and the person taps out or passes out. In this case, Moriarty tapped out. Moxley gets the victory and then after the match, Ethan Page comes out and attacks Moxley. And then they they beat, and then of course the firm beats down on him and they leave him laying. It Where was, is the black combat club when you need him? I don't know. I mean, last week they were locked in a fucking locker room with a chain on the door. So what's their excuse this time? Good question. We didn't know now, did we? No, they, they didn't bother to discuss that this week. I guess, uh... No, of course not. Not at all. That's not important right there. Poor John Marshall get his fucking accent in the back of my head. I was like, hey, fuckers, where the fuck are you at? Hello? Tony Khan, get your head out of your ass, you dumb fucking moron. Damn shit, moron. Actually, Zach, now that I think about it, I found out where they were. Where were they, sir? No be there. Okay, moving on. What? <laughs> I really hate you. You're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Best defense, no be there. I'll be there. Right. So anyway, after that, we cut to um, Renee Packett, who uh, interviews Soraya, who's by herself, as Britt Baker didn't show up for their interview. Soraya says, oh, Baker on- Soraya says Baker only cares about herself. She talks about how much she has given to the business. Packett says, asks Soraya why she came to AW, and she responds by saying there's something special about it. She knows that she felt like she could help the company, so that's why she came. When asked about her medical status regarding her ability to wrestle, Soraya says she'll save that information for next week. There's one more doctor she has to consult with. Okay, is it a simple yes or no? Are you medically clear? That's all we need to know. We didn't need this right here. All you have to go say, can you wrestle? Yes or no? Uh, 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 I guess that's the answer. I'll walk away. Here's my, here's my question. Why the fuck do we have to wait till next week 
to see if she can wrestle. What? She has to go see, see one more doctor. I mean, what is it? it? Who's the doctor? Britt Baker? Was that like a sarcastic comment? Or is she actually literally going to see one more doctor to find out? Because here's the thing. I don't know why they're keeping us in suspense, but here's the harsh reality. If Soraya is not able to wrestle, she is a waste of space in this company. She can't do shit for this, for this epic fail of a women's division if she can't lace up her boots and get in the ring. Because that's what people want to see from her. And that's what the women's division needs. It needs more women with star power who know how to work. That's what this company has desperately needed. Now the question is, is if Soraya has these skills, will she be welcome with open arms? Or is she going to realize basically what CM Punk has realized? That this is a company full of fucking children who don't want to grow and don't want to evolve. They want to just keep doing their silly shit every week and don't want to get any bigger. They don't want any growth and they don't want to be taken seriously as wrestlers or a company. They just want to they just want to go to the playground and do their shit. Basically, here, here's every AEW ride. I'll sum it up right now. There's a, there's a moment in Dark Side of the Ring with the Ultimate Warrior where the Ultimate Warrior is yelling at Jake Roberts. And basically what he says to Jake Roberts is about how he doesn't care about him, he doesn't care about his family, he doesn't care about his problems, he said, and he doesn't even care about wrestling. He just wants to do his shit. That is basically every AEW wrestler on this roster. They don't care about they don't care about anybody but themselves and they just want to do their shit. They don't want to be stars, they don't want to make money, they don't want to grow, they don't want to be taken seriously. They just want to go Go out there and do their shit and get and have Dave Meltzer pat them on the head, give them a cookie and five stars and tell them they're fucking great. And Uncle Dave gives them all the stars in the world. Basically, Uncle Dave, when, if Dave Meltzer rates you at this point, it's basically a participation trophy. There was a time where people took Meltzer seriously. Now he's the most biased motherfucker in the business. So it, Soraya needs to shit or get off the pot. Can she wrestle or not? If she can, good. Book a match for full gear and let's get the bitch back in the ring. If she can't wrestle, then let her do some ambassador shit for the duration of her contract and then kick, and then kick her to the curb because she's useless. If she can't wrestle, she's worthless. Zach, you have anything to add about this waste of time? No. Good. All right, now we have an interview with William Regal where he discusses the title match between Moxley and MJF. He says MJF has a lot of potential, but he still has a long way to go when it comes to being a true villain. He says MJF will face a true demon in the form of Moxley at full gear. The only good promo of the night. Anything that man says to Anything that British wonderful man has to say is great. Say, you want a piece of him? All right. Not just there yet. You're not a true villain, but you will see a demon that is going to be Mr. Marx. Good to know. Okay. This was awesome. Let's move on. Anything you have to say, sir? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Here's the thing about this. They're talking about MJF being a true villain. Here's the thing that's bugging me. Clearly what went down the week before was clearly setting him up for a babyface run. Why would you want to make MJF a true villain when he's clearly being loved by everyone? See, this is the dilemma that people are having here. Is Nobody wants to see MJF change his gimmick, yet he can't continue to be a dastardly evil heel when he's insanely fucking over. This is the dynamic that people aren't getting, is you can't have your cake and eat it too. This is, the, this is the thing that people don't understand. If MJF, if you guys are going to cheer for MJF and love MJF and worship the ground he walks on, at 
some point, he's going to have to turn babyface because nothing evil that he does will make you hate him. A, that's what a villain is. A villain is someone to hate. Someone you do not like. That's the villain of any movie, of any wrestling show, of anything. Comic books, whatever. That's how this shit works. If you're cheering for the villain, something's wrong. Either the villain is not evil enough, or you are fucked in the head. One of the two. So here's the question. Does MJF suck at being a villain, or are the AEW fans just fucked in the head? The AEWs are fucked in the head. That's where I'm going with, because something is wrong. If you're cheering the bad guy, either the bad guy sucks at his job, or you are mentally ill, and you need to seek counseling. Because something is wrong with you if you endorse someone who does hateful things. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That's why a lot of heels in wrestling sometimes have to cross lines and go places they shouldn't go because you make it almost impossible for them to get their heat. So the way I see it, MJF's on the road to becoming a babyface. But here's the thing, guys. If MJF is as talented and gifted as he claims to be, or as all of you think he is, he can do a babyface run and do it just fine because he doesn't have to change completely. All he has to do is take the clever wording that he does and direct them at heels instead of babyfaces. And just don't insult the crowd. That's all the changes he has to make. He doesn't have to go out there and start kissing babies and hugging fat girls. That's not what a babyface has to do. He can still be the asshole NJF. Just don't be a dick to good people. Be a dick to bad people. It's like The Rock. The Rock still cut his promos. The Rock was still The Rock. All he did, all he thing he changed up was he didn't cheat in any of his matches. And he insulted the bad guys. That's literally it. Just insult the bad guys, say nice things to the crowd, and don't cheat. That's it. That's all MJF would ever have to do. And if he's, and like I said, if he's truly a generational talent, he will get over as a babyface. If he can't, then he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. Or he thinks he is. Now we're moving on. And we're moving on to... Oh, God. Fuck my face. All right. We got the daddy-ass birthday bash. Fuck my life. Max Caster wraps his way to the ring, taking shots at Swerve Strickland and Elon Musk. The fans chant, Oh, scissor me, daddy. Anthony Bowen says he's glad they're enthusiastic because it's been a hard few days. Thanks to Sneaky Swerve, Billy Gunn can't scissor. Aw. World's smallest violin playing for you. <laughs> But the Acclaim introduced their scissor foam fingers, <laughs> allowing Bowens to scissor gun. Caster says AEW stands for Acclaimed every Wednesday. Bowen says everyone loves the Acclaimed. He tells the fans to throw up their scissors. Caster brings a big pair of paper scissors into the ring for Daddy. He wishes Gunn a happy birthday. Bowens discusses Gunn's accomplishments and gives him a trophy for World's Greatest Dad, with D.Y. written on the end of Dad, like World's Greatest Daddy. Bowens and Caster take a shot at some of the intended guests being upset Gunn couldn't attend a certain reunion. Yes. Obviously, they're referring to that DX reunion a few weeks back. Caster and Bowens present paperwork that would allow Gunn to adopt them. Then, the Guns, Austin and Colton, interrupt. They're upset their dad didn't invite him to the party, but they have a gift for him. And it turns out to be W. Morrissey, who attacks Billy and the Acclaim from behind until FTR makes the save. To tell you the truth, they kind of enjoyed it. They're just celebrating Billy Gunn's birthday. This was said, would you please adopt me? They're making this work very fucking well. Even though the scissors thing drives me insane. It's like, I don't get
get it, but it's over, and I don't know why. I can't figure out. Kind of like with certain with a certain somebody in NXU wears pajamas with Gator. But that's not the point. But that right there, I thought this was like, oh boy. I was like, okay, this is going on too long. Go ahead. Then the sons come out. Well, Morrissey tries to hit him. FTR makes a save. I kind of enjoyed it, but apparently what Vinny said says, I was fucked by face, fucked by life. And um, okay, Vinny, I guess you did enjoy this. No, I thought it was fucking stupid. First of all, I know Matt's caster can rap better than that. In fact, it's the number one thing I look forward to is his raps when he comes to the ring. I, I look forward to that more than I do their actual matches. So when the raps sucked, I already knew this was not going to go well. The scissoring thing is just ridiculous that they're using this. Guys are using a scissor gimmick that is a, a term used for lesbians. If people haven't figured that out yet... They're dressing up in bright pink, which already is like, oh dear God, fucking end this shit. Uh, I, I already, which is a major turnoff for me. I'm sorry. If you're wearing pink, you're not badass. I'm sorry. It don't work. The only pink shirt a man should be wearing is a one that says, don't laugh. This is your girlfriend's shirt. If it doesn't have those words on it, don't fucking wear it. And then we're doing this whole, oh yeah, you're the world's greatest daddy. Okay, that was kind of funny. I, I, I like that. I'll buy that. But then the whole, we got some adoption paper. You're grown fucking men. Seriously. Do some grown men shit. This is what punk means when he says he works with fucking children. Half this shit is fucking stupid. And here's why it bothers me. Why it really irks me. If you saw this shit in WWE, these same fans are going, Oh, scissor me, daddy. If you saw this in WWE, you would shit all over it. I actually thought that was pretty cool. I'm saying, no, if this is in WWE, these same fans would hate this with a passion. Especially if Vince McMahon was still in charge. You would definitely hate on it. The only reason they enjoy this is because it's an AEW. And AEW fans are so fucking brainwashed, you could take a shit in the middle of the ring and the shit would get over. That's it, they're, they're inclined to buy into anything. And the reason they do is because they're desperate for WWE to have competition. That's why they don't want this company to fail, even though it is on the verge of fucking failing. Because a lot of people in this company, when their contracts expire... They want to get the fuck out of here. And it's mostly the people who take this art form seriously. And of course, FTR has to make the save because they got to get involved in this shit. And they're holding the AEW belt and staring at the acclaimed. Like they're trying to convince us there's actually going to be a, a title match between them or FTR is actually going to take the belts from the acclaimed. At this point, I believe that when me shit turns purple and smells like rainbow sherberts. They have <laughs> disrespected FTR so goddamn much. They should be fighting for the belts right now. But instead, we got sneaky swerve and fat fuck keith lee going for these goddamn belts again and again they're going for the belts because ftr is an enemy to the elite so that's why they're sitting in the background they've got three belts that they don't defend a lot for companies that nobody can see yet the one company they're on they can't touch those belts which having those belts would help legitimize the other three belts they got triple a titles fucking why what is the fucking point in walking out there with triple a belts who still gives a fuck about triple a they got the new japan belts 
That's at least something. But I rarely see them defend that. And they got the Ring of Honor tag belts, which is meh at best, because we don't even know when Ring of Honor is going to have a fucking TV show. Yet the AEW belts on the fucking show they're on, where they're the best tag team in the company, and they got to play second or third fiddle to all this goofy shit. This is a terrible fucking segment that if it was on WWE, you would shit all over it. But because it's an AEW, you can't stop jacking off to it. This is a waste of fucking time. All right. And now we cut to another waste of time. Britt Baker alongside Jamie Hayter, who talks to Tony Schiavone and issues an open challenge for a tag team match on Rampage. I don't even watch Rampage. Zach, did you even give a shit about this? Nope. Can we go? Yes. We're moving on to the next match of the evening, and now oh, I shit. need to fucking kill me. Just fucking kill me. Um, We got the Ring of Honor World Championship here. Uh, Chris Jericho issued an open <laughs> challenge uh, for a former Ring of Honor World Champion. He grabs the microphone, says Claudio Castanoli pinning him last week, pissed him off, and he said the open challenge is open to any former Ring of Honor champion, whether you were the world champion, the tag team champion, the television champion, the pure champion, uh, six-man champion, didn't matter. If you've held a title in Ring of Honor at some point in your career, you could answer this open challenge. And the open challenge, and he said he'd even whip Lamar Jackson's ass, which fired up the Baltimore crowd. He said tonight will be a monumental night in the Ring of Jericho era, and the man who answers the challenge is none other than Boom, boom to the motherfucking moon, Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana. So we have, for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Zach can go first on this one. Chris Jericho defends the title against Colt Cabana. You're going to hint me what I'm about to say. Yep, just just go. Just go. Go. I actually enjoyed this match right here. When I saw Colt Cabana, I heard the boom, boom, boom. I was like, uh-oh. And she, he comes out. I'm like, you know, the first person I thought it was you, then I was like, oh, bro. I bet he's not happy right now. I looked past that, and he did. He and Kurt Jericho locked the fuck up. I enjoyed the living shit out of it. You know who Cabana is. It was back and forth between the two. There was fists, there was kicks, there was there was no flips, it was suplexes. Uh, I mean, it was a good physical match. Kind of a filler, but I enjoyed the shit out of it. And uh, Chris Jericho got moves in, Hulk got moves in. There was a couple of distractions that needed to be, if I'm thinking or not, if I am, I'm sorry. But this right here, I sure, I did really, really enjoy this. And um, folks... I'm going to go on mute. I'm going to go pack something and grab me something else. Uh, grab me another cigar. Vinny, fuck it. Just get it done with. Okay. This was an embarrassment to wrestling. And here's and, I, and this is the thing that, that, that bugged me about this. Because all this was, all this match was, was a fuck you to CM Punk. That's why they did this. This was AEW's way of reminding CM Punk that we fucked you over and we're still trying to fuck you over as we buy out your contract. That's all this was. Because Colt Cabana is the source of all these problems. A fucking jobber who has who has only been over with indie losers got a world title shot. And you're probably wondering, what title in Ring of Honor did he hold? He was a tag team champion. He never held a singles belt in Ring of Honor. Why? Because he was never over enough to fucking hold one. He's not even a has-been. He's a never-was who got famous because of a podcast that he did, ironically, with CM Punk. And apparently, Punk is the one that's been carrying this motherfucker in and out of the ring. And everybody thought he was the guy that Punk got Colt Cabana fired or transferred to Ring of Honor or removed from TV or whatever that was leaked out by the elite trying to do, trying to like stand up for their friend who they thought was sabotaged by CM Punk. When Punk stated in that media scrum that everybody loves to talk about, he has fuck all to do with him. Once 
nothing to do with him. And he has all the receipts to back up everything he said in that media scrum about Cole Cabana. Or as we know his his, uh, shoot name, Scott Colton. And it's not a coincidence that he's not only getting a Ring of Honor World Tell shot, he's facing Chris Jericho, the guy who we recently found out during the media scrum, confronted CM Punk, and called him a cancer to the locker room. And apparently, wanting to be a star, wanting to elevate a company, and only wanting to work with people that are fucking serious about wrestling and don't do kitty shit, apparently makes you a cancer. That's said it before and I'll say it again. The biggest problem I've had with Jericho is the fact that he plays with the kids. It's like the difference between a father who actually parents their children and a father who just tries to be the kid's friend. I want my kids to like me, so I'm going to let them get away with shit instead of being what a parent's supposed to do. Tell your kid when you're doing stupid shit and keep them on the right track. That's why I said Punk was succeeding where Jericho failed. Now, all of a sudden, the elite is on the verge of coming back. Punk's on his way out the door, and the guy who called him a cancer, and the guy that he uh, that he was accused of having fired when he didn't, two people who Punk hates a lot and apparently hate him, who apparently hate him back, are fighting for the world title on Dynamite. Coincidence? Yeah, I don't think so. I know a fuck you when I see it, and that's all this was. And the fact that Jericho actually had a competitive match with Colt Cabana is further a reminder of why Jericho is a shell of his former self. And it's the reason why so many fans love Chris Jericho. Because they love guys who put over their bullshit indie darlings. And try to put them on their level when they're not on their level. They're not even on the level below them. If Jericho was truly one of the greats, he would not try to elevate a fucking loser like Colt Cabana. He wouldn't have had a competitive rivalry with fucking pockets. Jericho doesn't take himself seriously, which is why a lot of times it's hard to take him seriously. This honest to God made me so angry, I almost shut the TV off. And the only thing that stopped me was having to do this podcast. This was pathetic. It was a waste of my fucking time. And yours. So after the match, Jericho celebrates with Garcia and Hager. All of a sudden, 2.0 comes out, and they grab uh, Ian Riccoboni, or whatever the fuck his last name is, at the broadcast table. Jericho goes to attack him. Claudio makes the save. The Appreciation Society gangs up on Casanoli. Out comes Daniel Bryan and Wheeler Useless. And the brawl continues until they're separated. Yeah. So now the BBC fucking shows up. Or the BCC fucking shows up. Not for Marshall, they won't. Yeah. They do for those people. Yeah, we're not going to defend our champion, but we'll defend a fucking commentator. And I got nothing against the commentator. I think Ian's a great commentator. I'm sure if I met him in person, I think he's cool. This is all storyline shit. You'll defend a commentator, but not your world champion? Why is Moxley still working with these people? Mm-hmm. That would piss me off. Well, Simon was a joke. All right, then we cut to the backstage area. And Ray Phoenix talks about the title match he has tonight. Pac tells him to use the hammer way as he did to win the match. Pac walks away telling him it's something to think about. Oh boy, who cares? Tell him to do the cheat. Ray Phoenix is not that type of person to do that. This was pointless right here. I didn't know why they did this. Like, okay, another pointless promo. Okie dokie. Didn't need this. Waste of time. Vinny? Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, this was... Oh, this was fucking stupid. Um, but I understand why he's doing it, you know? Because technically it's not cheating. It's a triple threat match. And a triple threat match, no disqualification, everything goes, lazy booking. So it makes lazy sense. Booking. So it makes sense to hand him the fucking hammer, you know? Ray's about to go to the ring. Stop. Hammer time. 
Dun, 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 dun. I'm just saying that would have been funnier. Instead of saying the hammer yeah, way, yeah. like I would have loved it if Ray Fiends had been walking to the ring and Pac came over and said, "Stop, hammer time," and gave him the hammer. I mean, now some people might think, well, that would make Pac look like a joke. He got knocked out by Orange Cassidy. He's already a joke. All right, I I, I have not taken Pac seriously since he lost that belt anyway. So again, this is silly shit. And then we move on to the next match of the evening. Here we go for the AEW All Atlantic Championship. Pocket. Defends the title against Ray Phoenix and Luchasaurus with Christian Cage. Okay, uh, no. Basically, it was two spot monkeys guys going against a behemoth. Once again, the spot monkeys were on the offense the whole time because they kept on gaming up on the big dude. Every time the big dude's out of the ring, those two did the ballerina cheerleading bullshit. Back and forth, back and forth. Finally, Luchasaurus finally got some moves in, and he finally put Ray Phoenix through a fucking table. And since there's no disqualifications in the triple threat match, uh, Luchasaurus and uh, Pockets were going up the ramp. They were going to huge try to hit him and hit him, and Luchasaurus just looks down, just decks him one time, takes him, puts him up. I thought for a second there, he was about to do what he did to Jungle Boy. All of a sudden, Jungle Boy comes to save horse as a nails Luchasaurus with a couple chair shots chases off uh, Christian Cage and then all of a sudden tackle like speared him on top of the tables down below and he walks away and then Ray Phoenix and uh, Orange Cassidy are going back forth back forth all of a sudden um, uh, the bash pocket and the hammer Ray Phoenix threw it at him there's a couple moves dipshit pockets hit the orange orange slushy punch one two three yep lazy booking and this was like I said fucking waste of time Luchasaurus is basically out there looking like a jackass. Obviously, Jungle Boy does a crossbody to put him through the fucking, you know, table. And it's just fucking ridiculous. And this whole match was dumb. And they basically took him out of the picture so Phoenix and Pockets can do all their goofy shit. And in the end, like you said, Orange Punch, one, two, three. And then Pac attacks Cassidy after the bell. And then Casaruri Shibata comes out with Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta. They make the save. Then, after Shibata confronts Cassidy, Cassidy hands him a contract for a match on Rampage, and he signs it. And here's the thing. After this happened, I kept hearing people on Twitter, and I kept hearing AEW themselves go, oh my god, this is a dream match. A dream match. Um, really? Question. What? Who the fuck is that? He's some jackass from New Japan. But here's the thing. How the fuck is this a dream match when I haven't heard anyone talk about it? I have not seen it on any dirt sheets. I have not seen it in any wrestling groups. I have not had it in conversations with wrestling fans. I have been to wrestling conventions. Not one time did I hear anybody say, what would it be like to see Shibata and Pockets? Not one. So whose fucking dream is this? And second of all, if this is a dream match, what the fuck is it doing on Rampage. I'm sorry. If this is a dream match, wouldn't you put a dream match on G? I don't know. Your fucking pay-per-view in two weeks? Two weeks from now, you have a fucking pay-per-view. Full gear. G, let's put our dream match on full gear. No, let's put it on TV and not even live. We're going to put it on the tape show that practically nobody fucking watches. I only know a handful of people who actually watch Rampage. I don't. I ain't got that kind of time. The only time I've ever watched Rampage, the only time, I've had two instances where I've ever watched Rampage. Number one, if I happen to go see Dynamite 
in Georgia and they tape Rampage right afterwards, yes, then I will watch Rampage. Or there were times where I was spending the night at Buff's house when I used to work for him and I would watch Rampage while we were there. Other than that, I didn't watch Rampage. That's, I don't. It's a waste of fucking time. But no, this is not a dream match. And if you're going to book a dream match, you put it on a pay-per-view. It's called Making Money, You Dumb Fucks. Zach, do you have anything to add to this abortion or can I move on? Oh, uh, no, you can move on. All right, now we cut to Rick Ross. Oh, God. Who's backstage with Swerve Strickland. Keith Lee confronts his tag team partner about his actions recently, including his attack on Billy Gunn. Strickland suggests they team up with the guns to face FTR and the acclaimed next week. Do you see to me that uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland can't get along? Yeah, that's because Keith Lee's not happy with Swerve's behavior, even though him and Rick Ross are both saying, hey, man, Now's the time to be positive. It's like, it's like, look, it's like, look, Captain Diabetes, we ain't got time for your shit right now. <laughs> okay, go get yourself some O O O Ozampic and let the adults talk. Okay, oh boy. Oh no, moving on. No. I'm sorry, did I get a little too real? No, what's about that? What we're about to talk about is gonna. Look, I apologize for being snippy. I'm old, I'm tired, I'm beat up, and I work with fucking children. And we got to deal with this shit here. Um, so yeah, and I, again, this is an example of FTR being relegated to dumb shit. Instead of being the tag team champions and running the tag team division, what are they doing? They're stuck in an eight-man with the acclaimed to face Swerve Strickland and the Ass Boys. That's what we're seeing here. This is our this is our time being wasted again. This was a stupid segment that went fucking nowhere. What the hell is Rick Ross even doing here? So, we're up, I'm up at Swerve Strickland with his wrestling and his music career. So you're going to be ringside for their matches? And when is Swerve going to come out with a fucking album? I mean, I know he's a good... I know I know he's got some type of rap skills, but I ain't seen him do a hint of music anything. All right, and on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Dear God, help us all. For the TBS Championship, Jade Cargill defends the title, even though she doesn't have it with her, against Marina Schaefer. I thought this was absolutely the most horrible thing. I saw this come down. I was like, Marina Schaefer, all right, good luck to you. Jade Cargill, everybody knows, and you included, know how I feel about her. Everything is fine until Nyla Rose and fucking Vicky Guerrero had to come out there. The commentating was the homework. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't. I was like, Nyla Rose, please shut the fuck up. Please shut the fuck up. Please shut the fuck up. She did shut the fuck up. Police Jar Kill went one, two, three, and she still won't shut up. Somebody tried to attack her. She got hit. Jay Carker came on from Curtis Hasha being a thank you for trying. Boring, ooh, bullshit, garbage, smut, motherfucking filth. Okay, here's what bothers me. This had the potential to be a really good match. It did. Jay Cargill, I know Zach doesn't like her, but the fact is she can work. Marina Schaefer knows how to work if given the opportunity. Both these girls could have had a great match, but they decide to kill the buzz with Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. Nyla Rose has no personality of any kind. She is dull. She is boring. The only thing interesting about her is that she has a dick. They don't bring it up on TV ever, but it is literally the most appealing thing about her, and I guarantee you the reason she still has a job here. Because Tony's afraid of firing her for fear people will think he's transphobic if he releases somebody who clearly doesn't draw money. Because apparently you're phobic if you do good business. And you got Vicky Guerrero, who, despite her legendary status, cannot get this woman over, and is equally as annoying on the mic. 
It's stupid. This whole thing is stupid. She's walking around going, I have the belt. You're not the champion. You just look stupid. It's no one is behind this. No one is getting interested in this. And Jade wasn't even acknowledging it. She kept focusing on the match until at one point she ran up the ramp and then had to quickly run back so she wouldn't get counted out. And guess what? It would have been more interesting if she did get counted out. I would have preferred that. But everybody wants to keep her undefeated. Even though if you're trying to make this this match of this feud worth something, have a reason for Jade to be upset. Because clearly for a certain period of time, Jade didn't care that Nyla Rose was out there toying with her belt. It should be that she wants her belt back so bad that Nyla pisses her off so much, she gets counted out. And then Nyla points and laughs because she got her the her first loss, which is a fucking count out. But then they can say it's going to be off the record books because she's never been pinned or submitted. And you can run with that. You don't need the 41 and 0. She's not fucking Goldberg. All you have to do is say, yeah, I got a loss by count out. I've never been pinned and I've never submitted. That's still just as good. It's like when Muhammad Hassan was bragging at one point about being undefeated. But then one day he tapped out. So what did he start doing? He said, I have never been pinned in my career. So he ran with that. I'm a badass because nobody ever pinned me. You can still work around it. And it would get people to give a shit about this because right now, nobody does. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Dum, 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 dum. It's a waste of fucking time. Are they going to fight at full gear? Is there going to be a title match? Is Nyla Rose going to be the one in 41 and one? Because if she's not, then this is all fucking stupid. This is an embarrassment. And just when you thought this shit couldn't get any more embarrassing, we see this awkward vignette that apparently is signifying the return of of, of another shitty faction. Apparently, the House of Black is making a return. Malachi Black is back from his, uh, you know, self-care period he's been going through to preserve his mental illness, which I'm not, obviously I'm not going to make fun of that because I understand sometimes mentally you need a break from shit. Everybody gets burned out or stressed out or you know, sometimes you're dealing with so much personal shit you just got to step away. So I'm not going to make fun of that. But that still doesn't change the fact that House of Black is a shitty faction and I'm not excited at all for their return. Zach, are you excited at all to see them? Nope. I just want to see what happens. And then the broadcast team announced that at Full Gear we'll see Tony Storm defend the title against Jamie Hayter. Um, at least it's not Britt Baker, and I think that might, might actually be a watchable match because I like Jamie in the ring. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Samoa Joe defends the title against Brian Cage with Prince Nana. This was actually a fantastic match. The only good match of the night, actually, Jim, to tell you the truth. Two big, humongous gentlemen beat the living shit out of each other. I mean, at first, it's like, like Samoa Joe tried to Brian Cage, like, Seriously, then all of a sudden he got knocked down. Mojo got knocked down. Everything else, I didn't like the drop kick from uh, Brian Cage. Like, dude, you don't need that doing. I just rolled my eyes. But these two gentlemen beat the shit out of each other. Is this a house fight? No. They has fights, but it's not a house fight. They house fight. Oh, yeah. These two guys beat the shit out of you. Two big ass dudes. For once, not one single time we're on the top rope. Well, 
No, I don't think so. Nope, no, except for Brian Cage. He did that one time. Uh, no. Otherwise than that, I enjoyed it. Vinny? Well, yeah, Brian Cage occasionally does the cruiserweight shit. It fucking bugs the crap out of me when he does it, but he doesn't do it as often yeah. as he used to. And like you said, this was the only match that was watchable on this whole fucking show. Just, just fast forward to this match, and you will be happy as a wrestling fan. D- do not watch the rest of this show. It's, it's garbage. But this was actually really good. Why? Because Samoa Joe doesn't do bullshit. And Brian Cage limits his bullshit, especially when he's in the ring with somebody like Samoa Joe, who ain't gonna play that shit. Yeah, Brian Cage was against somebody his size. Yeah, like, look, I didn't come here to join the circus, motherfucker. I came here to make money, so don't mess with my money. And Brian Cage didn't mess with his money, and they had a hell of a great match. Uh, then, of course, uh, yeah, after the, after the match, uh, the Gates of Agony come out and attack Joe. Wardlow makes the save. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs blindsides Wardlow with an attack and poses with the TNT Championship. And uh, you know, I. I for one and found that intriguing. Uh, what I like I about it, what I like about it is the fact that it looks like Powerhouse Hobbs might be going for the belt. And here's the thing: if Wardlow is going to lose the TNT Championship, and I got a feeling at some point he might, it's got to happen eventually. I think Powerhouse Hobbs is the right guy to take it from him. I feel like. Yes. Hobbs could use a push with the belt, and I also like, especially with Wardlow and Samoa Joe being more of a tag team, I could see if Wardlow drops the TNT title, I could see Samoa Joe losing the television title, and then maybe um, Joe and Wardlow as War Joe, they start going for tag team gold, whether it be the AEW tag belts or the Ring of Honor tag belts. Like if FTR was, when the the time comes for FTR to drop the Ring of Honor tag team titles, I would probably drop them to War Joe. And that's mostly because A, I feel like they could use it more. And B, because I don't see the Briscoes coming in anytime soon, obviously, because the network's made it clear they don't want them there. So the only way the Briscoes could get those tag belts is if Ring of Honor gets its own TV deal at some point and they start airing fucking Ring of Honor shows and put the Ring of Honor fuckers over there and stop letting them crowd AEW. So I feel like they can go for tag team gold soon. So if that's, and if that's going to happen, that's how I think I should see it. So overall, great match, interesting ending. Um, and like I said, this is going to be intriguing to see. So I got a feeling we're going to see Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow at full gear, and if we do, we could see a new TNT champion. Well, we'll see what happens. I say that a lot. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this abysmal recap of AEW. Zach, as always, I thank you for taking time. Every busy schedule to join us, and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. Yes, sorry for making it so late. Uh, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify. Google, Google Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Be on the lookout for the new episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment coming soon, where the Wednesday and I will be giving our predictions for WWE Crown Jewel, set to take place this Saturday at 12 p.m. Also, uh, be sure to follow also uh, when the Radio Labyrinth episode I did with Tim Andrews comes out, that'll be on the Facebook page as well. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets photos and videos go to our youtube channel check out all of our youtube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted uh, if you haven't already make sure you check out the uh extreme and obscene rob black's xpw episode that zach and i did uh that should be out right now uh go check that out and uh, have a good time and of course make sure next week to watch the steroid trial 
details for the big reveal that I'm going to be having regarding new projects coming to the YouTube channel. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 26th for WWE Survivor Series. That's right. We're going to be getting together for Survivor Series at 8 p.m. on November 26th as the main roster debuts for the first time ever. War Games! So make sure you check us out for the War Games. It's going to be a hell of a great pay-per-view. Also, uh, we got our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another fun project coming your way. Also, make sure you guys support the Boochcast. Go to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works best within your budget. Our first level is 99 cents, $1 per month. The second level is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We get better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Everything's sold to the Peacock. You got to know to put that $9.99. Stay at $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than Network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you lose it to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed, you know, give Zach his ramen noodles and try to get him laid and um, God, I feel like giving up at this point. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza baby! baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>